It seems to me that the entire central section of the book of Romans, especially chapters 5 to 8, is all about Paul telling us we are trapped in this very small life with very little we can do about it. We are, we are manacled by sin. Sin has power over us. It has its grip on us. We can't escape it. We're chained by sin. And the law, which was initially a good gift to us, given by God to show us how to live in health and safety in the world, when sin got a hold of it, weakened it. And it becomes a chain for us as well. Because sin continues to say, look, you can't measure up. You can't do it. You're miserable. And so sin condemns and law just ends up confirming the condemnation and law is weakened by sin. And so we're trapped in this narrow place. We, we can't get away. We're powerless to, to break free from the chains of sin, to break free from, from the condemning of the law. And, and we, we have no room. We, we tend to get comfortable here, try to make accommodations, to pretend that it's, that it's okay to be stuck here, but it's not. This is the place of sin and death. And we're told, Paul tells us clearly, the wages of sin, the result of living in this place is death. You will die if you stay here. And by the time he gets to the end of chapter 7, he's saying, who will free us from this wretched existence that is ours. And he says, thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, the power of sin, the bondage of the law is broken for us and we no longer have to live chained to this place. And as soon as we're free, we recognize we have the opportunity to move, to do something different. And, and we look around for additional direction. Where are we going to go? And we're fortunate that all the time, the Word of God has been present, a light for us, a guide, something we could use to see. But this Word of God is a tricky thing at some level because we've seen, especially in, re in recent days, that the written Word on the page can be used for good or evil. There are plenty of folks who misuse the Word of God and it becomes a vehicle for hatred and discrimination things the word was never intended to be it is by the illumination of the holy spirit that the word of god becomes powerful to us and useful for us and so once we have the word illuminated by the spirit we have appropriate direction for our lives and the ability to see where we're going unfortunately it requires a little more from us than just this because you know, we've lived in this space a long You want me to change microphones, don't Because this one's not working right now. How's this? Okay, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. And so we hope to be in a wider place. But the two things, the two things we had to consider when we left that place to start with was first of all, we would have to rely on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There is no other guide for us. 
You can't trust the society to be a reliable guide. You can't trust the government and laws and regulations to be a reliable guide. You certainly can't trust your own impulses because they will lead you astray. And so unless you rely on the Holy Spirit to take you on this journey, you will end up in places you don't want to be. Our only confidence is in following the leading of the Holy Spirit. But the second thing that Paul says right at the beginning of this reading is that we have an obligation. We, we owe something. We only ever got out of that place. We only ever broke free from the chains of sin and death, from the law of sin and death, because of the decisive action of Jesus Christ on the cross. His sacrifice for us, validated by his resurrection and his continuing life of intercession for us, is what guarantees our freedom from there, but also creates in part our obligation. It's only a part of our obligation, right? Because he's our creator. He brought us into being. And our obligation to him is, is based on many, many different things. And when I think about what it means to be obligated to Christ, our creator, one of the analogies or metaphors I, I consider is, well, it's the Apple Corporation. If you've ever used an iPhone or a Macintosh computer, one of the things you learn very quickly about the Apple Corporation is they design all of their products to work together. That, that's a, it's, a, it's a genius marketing strategy. If you get an iPhone, it works best with these other Apple products. And, and they want you, of course, to buy all of your products from the Apple universe. And so they make their products operate seamlessly with one another. By design, once you step into the Apple universe, all the other products just synchronize very easily. You were designed by God. You were designed for God to live in communication with him and with the spirit. And by design, you were created to integrate into God's universe, into his creation, to live in communion with him. And so part of obligation is understanding that your life was designed to work best in fellowship with God. And so it only makes sense to step into his universe, to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to do the very things that he calls us to do. That verse 15 reminded us that we weren't given a spirit of slavery that led to fear, but a spirit of adoption. We had left his universe at some level. We had refused to live as his children, but by his mercy and grace, he has adopted us back into the family, and now we live as his children. And in just the way our best fathers want excellent things for their children, our Heavenly Father wants all the best things for us as well. One of the things we'll discover if we make the choice to leave that place is that all along the journey, there are way stations of sin and destruction. If you get off this path, there are plenty of places where sin has the opportunity to entangle us again and keep us in a whirlpool beside the main current where we circle and languish and live in meaningless spirals 
again, waiting for the liberating power of Jesus Christ to wake us up again and to remind us of who we are and to shed the light of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we can escape again because, because this entanglement of sin is pernicious. What does the author of Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews 12 tell us? That we've got to run the race marked out for us and throw aside everything that so easily entangles all those little sins that could creep in and, and knock us out of the path that we're on. We have to stay listening to the spirit so that we continue to follow him. I wish I could tell you that if you followed the Spirit's leading, that if you got to a wide place of light and fellowship in the Spirit, that everything would work perfectly from that point on. But the reality is some of our friends and family members will not go on the journey with us. Some have determined they are going to live back in that place and stay there. And, and that's going to cause us pain. And the more we follow the Holy Spirit, the more sensitive we become to the pain of others. And so there, there's, there's pain in this journey. There's suffering in this journey. But part of what Paul says in this passage is that when we draw closer and closer to God, we become more sensitive to the pain of the world around us, to the lostness of the world around us. And it begins to grieve us more and more. And actually, that is a mark of our genuine witness in Christ. That, that this suffering, the, the more we experience the suffering due to the pain and loss of the world, the more we can know that we are participating in the sufferings of Christ. And that's a good thing. Now, I don't usually think of pain as a good thing in any way. My response to pain typically is to run away as fast as I can. But the reality is, is when, when the heart of the Father is shared by his children, the pains of the Father become our pains. And and what Paul is hinting at, more than hinting, saying straight up is this. If we share in the suffering of Christ in that way, we can be guaranteed that we will also share in the glory of Christ. It's when we are that in tune with the Father and his pain that the reflected glory of the Father becomes ours. Did you notice near the end of the passage it says that there's actually a glory for the children of God? That, that we're going to participate somehow in the glory of, of God? I think it's very much like the glory of the moon, the bright full moon in the night sky. We know the moon doesn't shine by itself. It only reflects the light of the sun. And the glory of the moon is the glory of the children of God. We, as we reflect the glory of God, we participate in this glory. It's an amazing thing, but it's possible the closer we get to God and the more we understand his mission in this world and the things to which he's calling us. And so if we have the courage to leave that place, 
to forsake all of the possessions and the comforts and the, and the convenient psychological constructions we've made to convince ourselves that it's okay to stay there. If we refuse to step off that straight and narrow way in which the Spirit is leading us, so that we don't end up in any of the way stations of sin and death along the way, then we can anticipate that we will know the joy of the Spirit and share in the sufferings of the Spirit so as to reflect the glory of God in our day. That's our eternal hope. That's, that's the security of eternal life in Christ Jesus that's promised to all who walk by the Spirit, who live life seeking the mind of the Spirit, who live free of the law of sin and death, and who live fully in the life of the Spirit. So that brings me to a couple questions. Are you walking in the light that the Spirit has shown you? Some of us, I'm sure, certainly has happened to me a time or two, have to engage the decision of what it looks like to follow the light of the Spirit. Because sometimes we hear something and we're not quite sure what we're hearing. We're suspecting the Spirit's wearing a face covering of some sort. We can't make out the words. And it may take us some time to understand, but there usually comes a time when I do understand what the Spirit is saying, because we know the God is not limited in his ability to communicate to us, right? If there's anything messed up in the communication, it's not on his side, right? It's on, it's on our side. And so when we know what he says, then we have to decide, will we do what he says? And then we have to make the choice to actually do it. So there, there's a process to that. And so the first question is, is the Spirit saying something that you're not doing? We all need to ask ourselves that question all the time. Have we, have we, committed, have we committed to that? Are we certain that we're not stuck in some meaningless way station of sin? Are there practices, habits, relationships strongly held opinions of ours that keep us unengaged in the life the Spirit would have us walk? It's, it's a fair question we have to ask. And I guess the last question is, is there any evidence in your life that you are participating in the sufferings of Christ? Is there any, any evidence of that? Especially we Americans, we have so insulated ourselves from anything that smacks of suffering, anything that smacks of inconvenience. Lord, you want me to get involved with, with that, that couple, that family? They're a mess. If I get involved with them, it's going to be taxing. It's going to take my time. It's going to cost me money. I mean, I've got friends to take care of. I've got my 
work at church to do. Lord, are you sure you want me to get involved with them? We, we tend to insulate ourselves. We count the costs before we say yes, even to the Spirit's voice, even when we're sure it's the Spirit. Is, is, there, is there evidence in my life, Lord, that I'm participating in your sufferings at your direction? I'm not saying it's our responsibility to take care of every difficult situation in the world that you see on television. I'm not saying that. It might be some of your responsibility. But I'm saying that when the Spirit speaks, I've got to pay attention to what he's saying. And that given what Paul says, it's appropriate for me to ask myself, am I participating in the sufferings of Christ so that I can reflect his glory as he leads me? This journey is by the Spirit of Christ, the one who has given us a spirit of adoption, who calls us his children. And it's my desire, my fervent prayer, that we would all reflect his glory. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, by your Spirit, speak to us. Help us. Grant us the ability to hear your voice, to do your work, to participate in your sufferings so that we may reflect your glory to a world that needs desperately to know that salvation and freedom are in Christ and no other. Amen. And now may the one who began a good work in you carry it on to completion at the day of our Lord. And may you live in this life as children of God, reflecting the glory of God to everyone you encounter. For the sake of Christ, amen.